building a company from nothing is freaking hard. Us entrepreneurs are expected to deal with unimaginable challenges and somehow keep a cool head through it all. This is The Art of Entrepreneurship, and I'm your host, Jackie Hermes. I grew my company, Excelity, from zero to seven figures with no partners and no funding. The Art of Entrepreneurship is a show where we cut through the BS and dig into what it actually takes to start and grow a company. If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. What is up? Welcome back to The Art of Entrepreneurship. Today we're talking about founder's syndrome, which is this phenomenon that many founders feel when we start companies. And I think even people that are like really high achieving and type A feel this too, where you want to have control over everything. I think I know a lot of people that think that they do it best and it takes more time to train others and they struggle to ask for help. And frankly, I'm one of these people too. And today I'm talking about founder syndrome with Erica Rankin, who is the founder of Brodo. I met her, no surprise, on LinkedIn, and she has grown her company largely organically using LinkedIn, TikTok, and other social channels. So thank you so much, Erica, for being here today. So Erica, I had never heard of Founder's Syndrome before I saw you post about it on LinkedIn, and that is what sparked this conversation today. Tell me in your words, what exactly is Founder's Syndrome? So founder syndrome is basically wanting to have control and ownership of your whole company and all of the pieces forever (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and having a lot of difficulties giving up control. Um, And in doing that, you're unable to grow your company and scale it and have a successful business. In a nutshell, that is what founder syndrome is. Yeah, man, I seriously relate to that so hard because I did that for so many years. And even still today, when I hear of something that's happening on my team, I'm like, ooh, let me get involved. And I'm such a fixer. I'm sure I could go like go talk about that in therapy, definitely. But I wanted to I wanted to read an excerpt from your post because it really resonated with me. You said this one personality trait cost me tens of thousands being stubborn. Me too. I grew up as a very self-reliant and independent kid. If I was told no, I would do whatever it took to get it on my own. Me too. And sometimes this is a good trait to have, right? Because it makes you like just push through everything and build no matter what, right? I'm sure that is a lot of the success of your company, but it also can destroy your, well, your company and your own mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, You went on to talk a little bit about how hard it is to ask for help and how you started growing your company faster when you did start asking for help. I have a couple questions, but first, why do you think it's so hard for us founders and us high achievers to ask for help? I think it's like a combination of things. I think it depends on the person and their personality, right? And I think we all have a little bit of an ego. We kind of have to. Um, Mm. And I think reaching out initially, that first time you reach out is really, really hard because you don't know what that person's going to think of you. It's also you kind of swallowing your pride. And you know, like to accept that you can't do it on your own is really difficult for a lot of people. Like for you and me, especially like being a person who is so self-reliant and I guess, an overachiever. And we know we can do everything in our business the best. That's the case with every business. Like no one's going to love your company as much as you do and put in as much love and energy and efforts into it as you do. And 
letting go is really hard. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think for me personally, like I hit a wall, like I went a year, about a year and a half, um, into being an entrepreneur and being a business owner and not asking anyone for help. I would go into the kitchen. I would make product for my, by myself for eight hours. I would pick and pack and ship and market and do all everything. Um, and then I got burnt out and then I was forced to ask for help against my will. <laughs> and then uh, I really wish I did it sooner. So I didn't get to that point, but that's kind of what led to me asking for help. Yeah. How do you know, or what would you say to others that think it might be time to ask for help before you get to that burnout moment? Cause it's taken me personally getting burnt out a number of times to even realize the signs and see them before they come and stop myself before I get there. So like, what are the signs that you need to ask for help? It's never too soon. Um, like I think <laughs> I wish, I wish I did before I even started my business. Like I think just getting on calls and talking to people in, in your industry and in different industries and learning. And like, there are so many mistakes that I've avoided just by asking people, um, you know, like in getting their perspective and experiences and um, outsourcing a lot of operations too. Like there's, I, I think a time and a place, like you should, I think I broke things down into three columns. I had delegate, automate, and eliminate. And there were so many things that I was doing that were so unnecessary. And I started working in the business or yeah, in the business and on the business. And so much time was spent, wasted, like making product and shipping product rather than thinking about the growth and expansion of the company. Um, and then I think when I started to outsource that, those operations and I saw the company start to grow and sales start to surpass that plateau that it was at for so long. And then it became easier to ask for help. So, but I wish I did it sooner for sure. What do you say to the people that say, I can't outsource because I can't afford it? Get scrappy. Um, I think like there's always ways, right? Like whether it be online, you have like a virtual assistant, you know, um, you can outsource um, overseas or, you know, do something like that. You can get very, very scrappy Um, or, offer an exchange of services. I've done that with people before. Like maybe if you do photography really well, you can help a friend out who's really good at marketing do their photography. Like there are definitely ways that you can um, get scrappy with that if you don't have the, the financial capabilities to outsource. Yeah, I completely agree. And small plug, actually, in the next episode, I am going to go through prioritizing, delegating, asking for help, and my systems that I use to figure out how to do all of that. So perfect plug. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, One of the last questions. So if there were steps to kind of relaxing control in your company, but ensuring that you continue to have a high quality output and good processes and stuff like that, what would those steps be in your mind? Um, So yeah, I guess quality uh, control is a thing. Like as you start to grow and bring on people, there are going to be times where you're going to run into some issues, but I think just communicating like on a regular basis with your team and getting everyone on the same page and really communicating like your mission and your values with the company and really like instilling that into people who are working with you and working for you is really important. Um, and then, uh, like one of my mentors talks about the sandwich technique. So like whenever you have a problem with an employee or if something comes up or if something's not up to standard, um, approach it in a more positive way, lead with a positive and then kind of put what you need to fix um, in the middle and then kind of end with a positive. So don't just go in and be super critical of people, like understand that people make mistakes and you can learn and grow from it, right? 
Yeah, I think it's really important to understand how people want to receive feedback and how they best hear you, because especially as you grow and you start to outsource, you have to make sure that you're on the same page with communicating. Otherwise, it's miscommunicating, especially in a completely virtual world like a lot of us are in, is so easy. And if you're not checking your perception of a situation with someone else's perception of a situation, it's very easy to get confused. Yes. And that's why it's so important to have real-time conversations and not just emails back and forth and text messages. Cause I think things can get misinterpreted too, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I selfishly want to talk to you about TikTok a little bit because I see you blowing up there. I was like on TikTok for a little bit and then I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And now I'm going to go back and try to grow my account again. Tell me a little bit of your advice for growing an account on TikTok and why someone might want to do it. So TikTok is the biggest platform that is like out there. I think there's like a billion active users on there a month. It's crazy. And the reach is crazy. So I tell everyone to get on there. And the audience now that goes on TikTok is so diverse. Like it used to be just the Gen Zs and millennials when it first launched. And then now you're seeing like, I think the biggest growing age group is like late 30s to early 40s of moms. Like there's moms on there. Um, and the way the algorithm works, like it gives you content that you like specifically. Right. So, um, I tell everyone to get on there and just show up as yourself authentically and put it all out there and be consistent with it. It's like anything, right? Like you can't just post once a week and expect it to pop off and you to grow a giant, giant following. You have to post regularly. Um, and just make sure that you're, you know, like showing up as yourself. And I like to think of followers as friends and I like to treat them as my friends and make them feel more included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was watching some of your content and I loved like your ex- super expressive faces about like the different things that you are going through. And I was like, Oh, I love it because it's stuff that you don't always see on LinkedIn, right? Like LinkedIn is a lot more, I don't know. I think people just maybe aren't quite as honest on that platform as mm-hmm. as you can be, you know, on a TikTok or one where you're doing a little bit more documenting of what you're doing. So I love that consistency when you're growing any platform is definitely always the key. Okay. We covered a lot today. If people listening were to walk away with one most important takeaway, what would you say it is? Yeah, I guess just keep showing up every day. Honestly, Um, everyone comes to me and they ask me what the secret is to growing a following or, you know, like getting engaged content or whatever, but it's just posting every day and showing up every day, even when you don't feel like it. So those are the days that matter the most. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And growing a uh, following on a platform and honestly, just in business and life, mm-hmm. like showing up doesn't look the same every single day, but as long as you do it every day and you're putting in the effort, you will get there. It's like, it's not the big pushes of motivation and the amazing days that matter the most. It's just like little tiny movements and making sure that you're taking the small actions every day. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. Thank you so much. For everyone listening, I would love if you would share this with just one person. They can go check out Erica and her TikTok course and Brodo on social. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you. 